The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in this series on mortifying or murdering your members, we are at the point where we are turning to things that we need to put on. We've already discussed the things that we need to mortify or to put off, but now there are some things that Paul says we need to put on, like we would put on clothing. He mentions Bibles of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And then he teaches us that we should be long-suffering and forbearing to one another and forgiving to one another in the same way that Christ forgave us. As we begin to look at these put-ons of the Bible, I think we're going to see that we need the help of the Lord to do it. If we would live Christ-like, we must have Christ's help. We hope you'll stay tuned for the message, but first we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. Bye. 
turn back to the third chapter of the book of Colossians today, and we're going to continue on our thoughts regarding mortifying our members. Although we have now moved past the mortification and also the putting off, there were some things that needed to be mortified or murdered. That's what that literally means. Uh, there's some things that needed to be put off. We've talked about those things. But we started out with this thought in verse 1, the same thought that Paul is trying to get across overall to the Colossian church. In verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And that's a good admonition for us every single day of our lives. Every single day that we live, we need to be seeking those things which are above. Because if you think about it, what is our life in comparison to eternity? You know, even if you live to be 100 years old or, or even if you live to be 120 and older as some of the patriarchs did, it's just a blip on the timeline of eternity. So think about it. Should, we're going to be spending most of our entire eternal lives focused upon the things that are above. Why do we want to keep walling around in the things that are below while we're here? Because one day we're going to be above with him. And we need to be seeking those things which are above while we're here. So we've been told to put off, to mortify uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness. All those things. We've been told to put off anger, wrath, and malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouths, and lying. That's in verses 8 and 9. And now we've come to some things that we have to put on. We've come to the, to the put-ons of the Bible, okay? Now, beginning in verse 9 there, we're going to see that Paul lays the groundwork and then he begins to tell us about some things that we need to put on in our lives, almost like putting on clothing. It's like we get up in the morning and we get dressed and you put your shirt on, you put your pants on, you put your belt on, you put various items on. We've been talking about items that we put on for a while, hadn't we? We've been talking about armor, the armor back over in a few weeks ago. We were talking about that. Now we're talking about some other things that we need to put on. And we're going to see that there's something we need to put on like an overcoat over all of it. And I'll let you in on the secret. It's charity or love. That's the overall covering that we need. So... Paul lays the groundwork here as we begin looking in verse 9. He says, Lie not one to another, which we've dealt with, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, what he's saying here is that, uh, as he said, you've got to put some things off, you've got to kill some things, but, but then there's some things you need to put on because... Uh, you, you've heard the saying that nature abhors a vacuum. Well, I want to tell you that your soul abhors a vacuum. You're going to fill it up with something. It's not enough just to put things away. You need to bring some things into your life. In the, in the case of drug addiction and people who are uh, addicted to controlled substances, one of the things they teach them in rehab is that it's not enough just to stop. Now, there are very, very few people out there that I've met, one or two maybe, maybe a few more than that, 
that were able to just cut it off like that and never go back to it again. But those people are few and far between. Generally what has to happen is you don't just stop using drugs. You fill up that void where the drugs were with something that's, that's good, something that's righteous, something that's spiritual. And the people that I've seen that have recovered from drug addiction have almost without exception had a spiritual experience. And they filled up their lives with the spiritual things. And so, you know, back over in, uh, uh, look with me for just a minute back over in the book of Luke. In, in Luke chapter 11, this, this, just to show you this is a biblical concept and not just something I've come up with. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 24, Jesus himself says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. Now this is the unclean spirit. It's gone out of a man and it's walking around looking for another place to rest. Now notice what happens in verse 25. When he cometh, that is, he goes back to where he was. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. The word garnished comes from the Greek word cosmeo, which is the or origin of our modern word cosmetics, which means to put in order or to put on or to arrange or to make ready. You know, when, when a lady uh, uses her cosmetics, she's getting herself prepared to go out, right? And this place that, that this unclean spirit left, this, this man, he finds a place where he was swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I just want to say to you, as a former prosecutor, dealing with those kinds of situations involving drug addiction, it's almost been without exception that those who, who get off of drugs for a short period of time but don't stay off, when they come back onto the drugs, it's worse than it was before. They come in, it's, it's like it's ten times worse, here seven times worse than it was before, you see. And the point being that that man who had the house, who had his, his body filled with this unclean spirit, he didn't fill it up with anything else when the unclean spirit left. He didn't fill it up with something that would crowd the unclean spirit out. We're going to get to that as we continue reading here. But, but see, that's the point that I'm trying to make. You need to put some things on when you put those bad things off. You need to put some good things on when you put the bad things off. And he says in verse 10, going back to verse 10, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Do you know that the only way to be renewed in knowledge is to learn something? That's the only way. You've got to learn something. How do you learn something? Well, you know, as my teachers used to say in high school, nobody's going to screw off the top of your head and pour the knowledge in. You've got to dig for it. You've got to spend time looking for it. You've got to renew your mind, as Paul tells them and uh, tells the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He says, be transformed, not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do you renew your mind? By filling your mind up with the things of God. And see, notice that's what he says. It's renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He's talking about God here. He's talking about God who not only created these bodies, but created that new spirit within us. And remember, child of God, we're talking to born-again children of God. 
This is not telling the dead alien sinner to go do something, learn something in order to become a child of God. This is talking to children of God who have this same trouble. I don't know about you, but as the prayer mentioned this morning, I have not lived this week like I ought to. I've struggled. I've had problems. I've said things I shouldn't. I've certainly thought things that I shouldn't. I've done things I shouldn't. And I need that renewing constantly. I need to be focused upon the image of him that created me, you see. Now notice verse 11. I like this. Where He says we need to be renewed in knowledge where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. I want you to notice something here. There are no divisions in the body of Christ. There's no divisions. We're living in a world where the media and our politicians and everybody seems like out there is trying to divide us. They're trying to split us up. They're trying to categorize us as I heard somebody the other day talking about northerners and southerners again. I thought we fought that war about 150 years ago. <laughs> now, you know, racial divisions, political divisions, uh, demographic divisions, it's a constant dividing source. And don't think you're going to find unity on any of the talking heads on any of the, the news stations. Nobody is promoting unity out there. I'll tell you where you'll find unity, child of God. It's in the kingdom of God. It's in the kingdom of God. Because see, it does not matter where you came from. It does not matter what your background is. It does not matter what your ethnicity is. It does not matter what your racial makeup is or what your political makeup is or what your uh, demographic makeup is. The kingdom of God has no divisions. Now, we cause divisions from time to time, but the reason we're seeking the image uh, to, be, uh, for, to put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, is so that we might not cause such divisions. That we might understand that Christ is all and in all. Boy, that covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? Christ is all. Let me ask you something this morning. Is Christ all to you? I'm asking you the question, but I'm asking me the question too. Is Christ all to me? I mean... Am I incomplete in some way, just even though I've got him? Well, you know, preacher, I've got Christ, but I need that promotion. I've got Christ, but I need that situation to be resolved, but I need this, but I need... You know, when you start adding that little but in there, then you've forgotten that Christ is all. He's all, you know? I struggle. I've told you this. I struggle with... You know, I get way up. I get way up. Everything's going great. You know, mountaintop experiences. But the valleys after that are the lowest valleys I, I can think of. I get down. I get depressed. I get to struggling. Poor pitiful me. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, all those songs, I get them, you know. I, I, I didn't, I never, I don't think there was a happy country song I liked when I was growing up, you know. <laughs> he stopped loving her today. I mean, all this, all this stuff that, you know, Nothing ever works out, you know. Um, but you know why I'm that way? And I suspect you as well. 
It's because we don't realize that Christ is all. There's a song they used to sing, He's All I Need. And you know, we need to remember that song because He truly is all we need. And He is all and He is in all. Boy, that's a lot of preaching right there that I don't have time to go into this morning. Let's just boil it down to the church. The reason that we have no right to treat one another as anything other than a precious little elect child of God is because Christ is in each one of us. So, you know what Jesus said about it? He said, when you do these things to the least of these, then you're doing them unto me. So, when you're ugly to a fellow church member or a fellow child of God, you're, doing, you're ugly to Christ. When you're uh, taking offense at a fellow ch child of God and not covering them with a the mantle of love and you know, love covereth a multitude of error and when you're doing that you're taking offense at Christ because Christ is in all of his children you see Christ is all and in all and then verse 12 reminds us why the why of the matter I'll say it that way he reminds us the why of the matter put on he started to tell us to put on some things Put on, therefore, in other words, because of where you are and what we've just heard, put on, therefore. Now, here's why. As the smartest people in the room, as the doctors of divinity, as those who have learned so much and become so righteous that now we are entitled. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, I read about a people that are nothing and less than nothing. I read about a people that are totally depraved, okay? I read about a people that in nature seek not the things of the kingdom of God. I, I read about a people that uh, by nature do not receive the things of the kingdom of God for their foolishness unto them, and neither can they know them for they're spiritually discerned. So you see, here's the point. You need to put on some things, not because you've gotten so good, but because God has made you so good. You see, God's made you righteous in Christ. We are the elect of God. Now, it doesn't mean we act righteously all the time. We don't. That's why he's telling us we've got to put on some things. That's why he started out saying, first, you've got to kill some things. You've got to murder some things. You've got to put them off. <laughs> And now you need to put them on, but it's because of who you are and because of whose you are, you see. We need to remember who we are. We are nothing and less than nothing, but we need to remember whose we are. We are bought with a price. We are not our own, you see. We are His workmanship, created in Christ unto good works that He hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So put on some things. We may not feel like we're the elect of God. I don't always feel like I'm the elect of God. But we are. And we need to act like it. So let's look at the things that we need to put on. Verse 12 here. He begins with some inward attitudes. Isn't it funny how every time that he's talking about killing something, mortifying something, or putting something off, he always starts inside. He doesn't start with the outside. He started out with the inside. He started out with anger, wrath, and malice, and then moved to blasphemy and filthy communication and so forth. 
But now he's starting again on the inward attitudes. Put on the inward attitudes. Now notice what he says. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Notice what he's saying here. Bowels of mercies. Now I know that's kind of a funny way to put it today. But it wasn't a funny way to put it back then. Because the bowels of mercy, it refers directly to the gut, the stomach, the, that part of our bodies. Because the Greeks regarded that as the seat of the violent emotions. But the Hebrews regarded the gut, the bowels, as the seat of the more compassionate feelings, the mercies, and so forth. And you know, if you think about it, doesn't that make sense? Because... Yeah, I know sometimes, you you know, we think about, oh, the heart, the heart, the heart. Well, the heart does get going sometimes. But, you know, it wasn't my heart that was flipping out when I was picking up the phone to call Sherry and ask her out for the first time. You know, I had, a, I had butterflies in my stomach. You know, I thought I was going to get sick. I think, I think it took me three attempts to, to finish dialing and that old rotary phone. Anyway, but see, the idea here is that is that uh, we are to put on bowels in the place where our emotions reside. The primary emotion we should have is an emotion of mercy or compassion or pity. Look with me over to the book of Philippians for a minute. Back over in chapter 2 in verse, uh, verse 1. Ephesians 2, I'm sorry, Philippians 2 and verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, Paul writes, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, here's that word again, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, Look, every man, look, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That tells us something very important about these bowels of mercies. That's the same kind of feeling Christ had when he saw us as he was here on this earth, as he hung on that cross. See, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's talking about comfort of love, the fellowship, the mercy, the bowels and mercies, and then the humility. He goes on to say, Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It'd be robbery if I thought I was equal with God. I'd be robbing God's glory, not Christ. But notice what he did. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being, fashioned, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. You know why he did it? God says through the mouth of Jeremiah that he has loved us with an everlasting love. He had bowels of mercies for us. He had compassion for us. He had this feeling. And, you know, John deals with the way we should allow this to inform our lives and our decisions and how it should affect us over in 1 John chapter 3, notice what he says here about how we should approach people. Now, I'm the world's worst 
at seeing somebody on the street who comes up and asks me for money and thinking evil of them. And 99% of the time, that's correct, okay? 99% of the time, that's correct. But as children of God, that ought not to be our overriding emotion. That doesn't mean we need to give every person who comes up to us and begs for money some money because it may be pretty clear that all they're going to do is use it to, you know, it would be worse to give them the money because they would, they would perpetuate a, a bad habit of drugs or whatever. But we ought to always be looking. We ought to always be open. You know, when somebody, when we look around and see our brother in need, notice what he says in 1 John three seventeen. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? I realize that through life experience, we can become cynical, we can become... Uh, hardened to the things of, that we ought to be compassionate to. But as a child of God, he goes on to say, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And otherwise, in other words, don't let that life experience harden you to the point where your bowels of mercies, where your bowels of compassion, as he talks about it here, are overpowered by your cynicism and your hardened heart because of what you've seen in life. That doesn't mean you got to, as I said, you don't have to give everybody some money that comes up and asks for it. But we ought to always be ready and willing and looking for an opportunity to help somebody, whether it's monetarily or with your time and efforts or whatever it might be. Now listen, I confess to you, I miss those opportunities. But I need to be looking for them. And you and I all need to be looking for the opportunity to help. See, that's one of the things we got to put on. Now listen, if it were natural to us, we wouldn't have to put it on. <laughs> you know, if it just came naturally, he'd just say, just act naturally. <laughs> but we don't act naturally. Because if we act naturally, we'll never help. See, put on bowels of mercies. And look at the next one. Kindness. Kindness. Remember, these are these inward attitudes. And this is more than just kindness in the way we think of it. It has to do with moral goodness, okay? It has to do with excellence in character or demeanor, according to Strong's. It's translated in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, where it lists the fruits of the Spirit as gentleness. Gentleness. And you remember what we said earlier that it's all about Christ? You don't have to turn there, but over in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul writing to the Romans says, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? That's that same Greek word translated there, this kindness here. So once again, if we're putting on kindness, if we're putting on bowels of mercies, if we're putting on kindness, we're putting on Christ. We're becoming more Christ-like. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.
That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 